Welcome to On the Record, a guide to English law, the legal podcast brought to you by Glazier Solicitors. Hello and welcome to On the Record. I'm Bethany, the firm's marketing and business development manager, and I am very pleased to say I have Chris Burrows with me here again. Chris, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Bethany. How are you? I'm fantastic. Hopefully, some of you will have heard some of our previous podcasts, and we have spoken to Chris before. Really quickly, Chris, would you like to tell everyone who you are before we kick things off? Yes, so I'm a partner in the firm and head of the private client department. Uh, We deal with helping people to manage their property and financial affairs and plan for the future using wills, power of attorney, that kind of thing, and in the event of a death, helping to deal with the administration of a person's estate. But today we're going to be having a look at some of the lifetime planning that we work on in the department. Yes, so as a department, you work with people individually and businesses planning for the the future. And today, as you said, we'll be talking about the importance of a business lasting power of attorney. So I think the first question is, what is a lasting power of attorney? Well, a lasting power of attorney is a document that you can create to point someone to make decisions on your behalf if you can't make them yourselves. It's a legally binding document and it's registered with the Office of the Public Guardian before it can be used. So there's a formal process involved in, in making this uh, arrangement. As it's a legal document, I'm sure there will be lots of terminology or unusual wording that goes with it. Would you be able to talk us through some of that? Yeah, so there are a few words that we'll probably end up using in this conversation which do have specific meanings when you're talking about lasting powers of attorney. Uh, The first one is the donor. That's the person that's making the power of attorney. So they're, they're the one that's giving away the ability to make financial decisions. The attorney is the person that's going to be taking on that power and making decisions on behalf of the donor if they lack capacity in the future. Uh, There's also a certificate provider. So this is a specific role within a lasting power of attorney. And that person confirms that the donor had capacity and understood the contents of the form at the time that it was made. We'll also mention the Office of the Public Guardian, and that's the uh, section of the court which regulates and deals with powers of attorney and people that are acting under them. And we'll probably also touch on the Mental Capacity Act in, from 2005. And the term mental capacity basically means whether the person has a disturbance or an impairment in the functioning of the mind or brain, and because of that is unable to make a decision at the time that it needs to be made. So decisions under the Mental Capacity Act are time-specific and decision-specific, and it means that capacity can vary depending on the complexity of the decision or the time that you need to make that decision. So those terms, I'm sure, will mean a lot more once we get into some of the finer bits, you know, lasting power of attorneys themselves. A lasting power of attorney as a, as a document, how many can you make? Can I have one? Can I have seven? What, what are the boundaries there? So you can have multiple lasting powers of attorney. There are actually two different types and they're, they're fundamentally different. One is for health and care decisions, which we won't really go into much today, but broadly allows someone to make decisions about medical treatment, care arrangements, can even be right through to life-sustaining treatment decisions. Separately, you've got a property and finance lasting power of attorney, and that can cover all aspects of property and financial decision making, whether that's your personal bank accounts, dealing with any money that you own or owe to anyone else, and also your business decisions. We can use a financial lasting power of attorney to create a business lasting power of attorney, and that's one where we look at using the same form as a general 
financial power, but restricting it so that it only applies to the person's business. And that way we can separate out their business assets from their general financial assets. Now, we talked in the last podcast, you and I, about business owners and and wills and planning for those sort of things. And we, we discussed how it could be difficult. In the same terms, with lasting powers of attorney, what are the risks for business owners if they don't have one of these in place? So the risk is that if you lose capacity to make decisions in the future, either on a temporary or a permanent basis, how are those decisions going to be made on your behalf? It could be things like day-to-day business decisions, so particularly if you're a sole trader or if you're the only shareholder and director in a business, you've got key decisions that you will be responsible for making. And if you simply aren't able to do that, you need to have someone else in place who would be able to make those decisions on your behalf. So how would an LPA manage that risk? So if the director or business owners temporarily or permanently incapacitated the attorneys that they've appointed can step in and make those decisions so for a sole trader business it could mean continuing to run the business on a day-to-day level telling the staff what to do dealing with suppliers dealing with clients whatever it needs to be for companies the attorney would step in and manage the shareholders shares and to a degree may be able to deal with some director functions but mostly The idea is that they would be able to safeguard the value that the person owns by looking after that shareholding. Shareholders have powers as well relating to the company, and that'll be set out in the company's own rules. If the person who lacks capacity is the only director, then most likely the attorneys will need to exercise the shareholder's ability to appoint a new director. It might be that they appoint themselves as the new directors, but someone needs to be appointed to be able to fulfill the director functions and keep the company running. So you mentioned that as an individual, there were two types of LPAs, the health and welfare and the financial and property one. Um, And then you said from that, you can do a, a business LPA. Why might a separate business LPA be required for a business? So the general lasting power of attorney, as I mentioned, covers all sorts of financial decisions, every financial aspect of your life, really. But depending on who you want to appoint as the attorney, you may have people who would be a better fit for dealing with business decisions as opposed to your personal financial decisions. And you may have different requirements for how the business decisions would be made as opposed to your general financial ones. Okay, So we are going to pivot slightly and move on to a specific aspect of LPAs and the idea of an attorney. Who should a business owner appoint as their attorney in a lasting power of attorney? The most important factor when deciding who to appoint as an attorney is that it has to be someone that you really trust because they are going to be stepping into your shoes and managing your business for you or making other financial decisions. So you've got to be confident that they're going to be able to do the job you're asking them to do. Uh, and also whether there are any regulatory issues. So your spouse, partner or other family members might be the perfect people to manage your own personal finances because they know exactly what you've got and where it is and how you would want it to be managed. But if they don't have an intimate knowledge of how your business runs and the direction you were planning on taking it in, or they're just, they work in a completely different field, so they don't have the same commercial perspective that you would have when managing the business, then you might want to involve someone externally or from the wider family or a friend who works in a similar field to you, maybe even someone from within your own business. You won't necessarily want that external person having the same control over your bank accounts and 
pensions or other personal finances. So the business power of attorney allows you that separation to have the people that are right for the specific roles. The external person could work with someone from your family and then we can control how they make decisions together when they're dealing with the business. For some professions and businesses, there can be special considerations such as regulatory requirements, so particularly professional services and some medical practices. Their own supervisory rules will say that uh, the attorneys have to have a certain level of qualification or have to be from within the same sort of field of practice. This will very much depend on the regulator and the type of business that you own, but it is a consideration that might need to be looked at because if you just have a general power of attorney appointing family members and they don't have the right qualifications, you could hit a regulatory issue if you were to lose capacity. So in terms of attorneys, sort of a two-part question, can I have more than one attorney? And if I can, how many is the max that you'd look to appoint? So the maximum within a lasting power of attorney is four attorneys. Uh, You can also have replacement attorneys. So, for example, if you just wanted to appoint one person to begin with, but then you said if they lose capacity themselves or if they die before me or something like that, then I would want two or three people to then step in. So it can be very flexible in terms of the arrangements uh, and we can we can look at that on a case by case basis as to who is best to appoint and how you would want them to be able to work together. So I've got an LPA and I've appointed these attorneys. Obviously, everyone's their own person and they have their own opinions and thoughts about how things should go. If I appoint more than one attorney, what happens if they fall out? How do they make these decisions together? What is in the LPA to help with that? So there's a lot of control built into the lasting power of attorney to help the donor manage how the attorneys are going to act. There are really three options for how decisions can be made by attorneys if you appoint more than one to begin with. So the first is a joint decision where essentially it's unanimous decision making. They all have to agree before a valid decision can be made. That can be a bit restrictive depending on the circumstances. The second option would be a joint and several appointment and this gives a bit more flexibility. The attorneys can act independently of each other or they can act jointly depending on how they decide to act. If it's a joint and several appointment, a decision by just one attorney is actually a valid decision, so you have to be sure that they can act together appropriately, and it it does give some freedom to the attorneys. If you think that there are aspects that you would want to be made as a joint appointment, but there are some bits that you'd be quite happy for them to do jointly and severally, we can have a combination appointment where the donor specifies the decisions that would have to be made jointly, and then the other decisions could be made jointly and severally. This could maybe restrict certain transactions or put a financial limit on the things that they'd be allowed to do on their own. Are there any other controls that you can put on to attorneys that you appoint? So there are some limitations built into the law. So the statute says that decisions have to be made in the person's best interests. Fundamentally, you can't make a decision unless the person lacks capacity. So there are those sort of controls built in. Similarly, attorneys are limited in the ability to make gifts or to make, and they can't make any changes to the donor's will. So you can also use the power of attorney yourself as the donor to restrict what the attorneys are going to do and control the way they make decisions. You can put legally binding instructions in the form to say what they are and are not allowed to do, and we'd look at what your specific needs are in order to 
to craft those specifically for you. You can also include non-binding preferences, which are just guidance, but they can help the attorneys to make decisions. So if there's a particular person you would want them to consult or a particular thing that they should take into consideration, we can specify that in the form. It's not going to restrict their ability to make the decision, but it can provide them with some helpful guidance. So if we look at the document itself again, it sounds like a very powerful document for a person to have. Would it be possible for an attorney to abuse the power that they've got? Unfortunately, it is sometimes the case that attorneys try and do things that they shouldn't do or that they don't make a decision that's in the person's best interests. Again, the fact that it can only be legitimately used when the donor lacks capacity is helpful uh, because they the attorneys have to assess for each decision whether the donor can make that decision themselves and wherever possible they're supposed to help the donor to make the decisions for as long as they can. A lasting power of attorney has to be registered with the Office of the Public Guardian before it can be used and if at any point the OPG received a report to say that the attorneys were acting inappropriately, they can investigate and they can potentially take the matter to the Court of Protection to be reviewed and the attorney could be removed from their role. Really though, the starting point is for the donor to appoint people that they trust and hopefully if you've chosen the right attorneys you won't run into any problems. And again, considering how the attorneys will act together, if there is a potential scope for abuse or just decision-making by one person that you wouldn't necessarily want them to have unlimited control. We can appoint multiple people, we can decide how they're going to act together, we can put those limitations in place within the document to help to control the decision-making process. So one last question on the worst-case scenario as a business owner. What happens if a business owner loses capacity and hasn't put a power of attorney in place? So there'll be real practical implications for the business. Dealing with banks, lenders, suppliers, customers, staff becomes really difficult because that key decision maker isn't able to make decisions. Family members or next of kin, if you like, don't have any legal rights to step in and make financial decisions unless they're appointed by the court or under a power of attorney. So it's really difficult for them to step in in an emergency situation. And someone would have to apply to the Court of Protection to be appointed as deputy for the person who lacks capacity. A deputy has similar powers to an attorney, but it's overseen by the court, uh, appointed by a judge, and has a lot more of an administrative burden to, to undertake in acting under, that, under a court appointment. Deputy applications can take a long time. It's usually between four to six months, and although emergency orders can be made, it's still not a simple process to go through, and particularly at a time when your family are dealing with you because you're probably ill or incapacitated unexpectedly, trying to scrabble together to make an emergency application to the Court of Protection is an additional burden that they could do without. The deputyship application process needs a full disclosure of financial details to the court and also a medical assessment of mental capacity. So it's quite a detailed application for the family or for friends to to try and draw together and submit. Right, so you've convinced me. Let's uh, get this LPA put together. What is the process like? What sort of things should I expect? Our process begins by meeting with the business owner to look at their particular risks for that business, their choice of attorney and the issues that that they want to address within the power of attorney. And we'll go through the stages of the the document with them to 
make the decisions that we've talked about, how the attorneys should act together, what they're going to be allowed to do. After that meeting, we'll then prepare a power of attorney and send it to the donor with an explanatory summary, setting out any risks that we've discussed and how they've been addressed within the form. When they're ready to go ahead, we'll also help them to go through the process of signing and completing the lasting power of attorney, which means signature by the donor, the attorneys, and also the certificate provider, whether that's someone that's professionally qualified to assess their capacity, or whether it's someone that has known them for more than two years as more than an acquaintance, which are the criteria for acting as a certificate provider. After that, we'll help them deal with the registration so that it's been sent off to the Office of the Public Guardian, officially registered, and then it's ready to be used in the future if it's ever needed. Let's say a, a business owner goes through life, they've got this in place just in case the worst happens. Uh, we've already talked about how powerful of a document it is, but what happens to an LPA after a business owner dies? Well, the lasting power of attorney is a lifetime document, so it stops in the event of their death, and at that point, their will would take effect, and the executors who are appointed in the will would have to deal with the company from that point on. So, if a business owner dies, it's important to make sure that they've got a will in place to cover the business suitably and that the executors would be able to step in and deal with the uh, the business. If they haven't made a will, then it would be on an intestacy basis and the law would decide who inherits the assets, including the business, and also the people inheriting would have to deal with the administration of the estate and take over running of the business in that case. Like I said, you've convinced me, but you may not have convinced all of our listeners out there. So if there are one or two out there that are still unsure about whether they need an LPA or the importance of it, do you have anything that might just sway them and convince them just how important having something like a lasting power of attorney in place is? If anyone's wavering, then I'd say the practical test is to look at the papers on your desk or the items in your inbox that you need to deal with and ask yourself the question, who would make that decision if I can't? There might be a key employee or an advisor, or it might be something that you would normally do yourself. But if you lost capacity in the future and you couldn't tell that employee or that advisor what to do, or you couldn't deal with it yourself, then who would be able to step in? If you've got a lasting power of attorney in place for your business and your personal matters, you've taken away that uncertainty because you know exactly who would step in and deal with that if, if you couldn't. Sounds very convincing, Chris. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our time here today and I appreciate, Chris, all of your time and knowledge and sharing it with all of us. Uh, thank you. And hopefully we'll see everybody at the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.